Ooh, how did the game go? It was good. I mean, I just wish more people turned up. You know what I mean? Because, you know, these staff things, especially at a big company like Zalando, mm. you know, I mean, I'm in a smaller unit. I'm in this um, Zalando Marketing Services. So it's like mm -hmm. Zalando's in-house um, agency. Mm -hmm. So, like, I like to go to everything that the company has. Mm -hmm. um, just be present, right? Just be present. Yeah, Kyle is a man goes to all events, though. I feel like my best. Just every every kind of little community is part of. He's that's what you, that's what you had to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause when you, I mean, growing up in Trinidad, that's how I was anyway. But especially coming here to Berlin and you're trying to be part of something, mm. you're trying mm. to be part of a bigger community, and then networking is a good thing in general. Mm. You know. Mm. And then in corporate life, yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like, yeah, you know, it's corporate life. You had a fucking, you had a kiss ass too if you mm -hmm. want to get ahead. But you do. But you kind of do. Mm. It kind of matters, you know what I mean? And all the senior management has said, like, I mean, that's not why I do it. I do it because I genuinely enjoy being involved, you mm. know what I mean? But a lot of people say, like, yeah, you don't get a promotion or you don't get this lead or you don't get this position because like you're real good at your job because everybody who's here is decent at their job you mm. know what i mean mm. like if you're bad at your job you they'd probably let you go so everybody's kind of good so that really depends on yeah social factors you know at the, and at the end of the day like it is a strength that i have and yeah might as well use it might as well use it and then i'm here starting over and i'm here trying to do my best to start this new life so i have to use my skill set mm -hmm. you know no, that's a good quality to have for sure man like i'm yeah. working on that myself like one two one two one two you in there yeah, like yeah. somewhere inside <laughs> yeah. um no that's great quality to have like networking and just like naturally being social because yeah as you said like a lot of people don't have this especially in like a corporate kind of setting where people be like Yo, i'm just gonna come to work and yeah, yeah, yeah. work and there's a big separation between work and personal life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, those those relationships matter. Like even in the office, like those mm -hmm. things like matter. Like when you have to do something, if you have to go someone go to someone to ask them to do something, mm -hmm. and you have zero personal relationship with this person, mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. ten times. I don't know. It just it's not necessarily harder. Sometimes it's harder, but you know, it just takes longer. This mm -hmm. person has no. You know what I mean? Whereas, exactly. like when you go to these things or you have a relationship with people, it's just. Mm -hmm. It makes just life a lot easier, you know? Yeah. So this volleyball thing was cool, but nobody showed up, you know? Like, the company is quite a big, like, companies that messes, the agency is quite big, but it was just, um, like, I think eight people showed up or something, oh, wow. which is... Where was it? Was it at that beach place? In the beach Mitter. Yeah, Beach Mitter, right? Which is apparently, like, one of the biggest, um, which is the biggest, like, artificial beach thingy in Europe, apparently. I didn't know that. Is it, is, it, is it big? Does it like... No, it's quite big. Yeah? It's quite big. There were like rows and rows of courts. Like you walk in and there are courts and then there's just rows and rows of courts. And I had to... Oh, wait. Is it a beach just for playing volleyball? Or is yeah, it like, yeah, yeah. do people go there and sunbathe? And no, 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 no. Oh. It's like volleyball courts, but beach volleyball courts. Okay. So it was it's good. And next to Beach Mitter, they have a... Um, uh, uh, an obstacle course. I've never seen this. I, uh, well, Like parkour? No, like a like actual monkey bars and shit. No, like a high up story, like as tall as this building, maybe, right? But you strap yourself in, like you have a safety hook, mm -hmm. and then you just, yeah, it's just obstacles, and it's all connected by rope. It it looks like a 
it looks like a ghetto roller coaster at first nice. because it's like it kind of kind of spirals down uh-huh. you know what i mean and i saw this thing all the time because it was right by my university so i went to collect my degree one time when i was there and i was like wait boy remember when i first saw this i was very confused you know what i mean and i was still confused but i was just reminiscing about how when i first came to berlin but in any case i saw this and then i asked this guy from work that i met i was like do you know what this is you know and he was like yeah it's like a and then as i looked up and I, like asked him and looked up i saw a guy with a safety harness and then it was pretty obvious what it was oh. but it was like a yeah like an obstacle course kind of thing you know what i mean that's kind of cool but i i've never seen anything like that and the guy said like his old high school had a thing like in the forest he said like like in the forest. So I think it's like common to be... In, to do obstacle courses. In the like, forest. Man, that's I, I some noticed. first world shit that we don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh. like we from the forest. And and I, I never see this before. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. My obstacle course is jumping over galvanized trees. <laughs> exactly. Monkey bars and yeah. slide and things. But yeah. it was real cool. So I have to say, um, Beach Mitter definitely gets a thumbs up. And they had um, sponsors. Yeah, yeah. And there's sponsor a, us. <laughs> and there, there was a bar with like drinks and food and thing, and it lo- actually looked quite good. So I have to say, yeah, definitely going going back to Beach Meta. Nice. Maybe if you can make a lime and try. And yeah, like pack a cooler and get a group yeah. of friends. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. so Let me kick off. What you got? Um. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're here with Nathan, aka Still Riley. Still Riley, still, still Wally, Wally. Still what you Wally. doing? Oh my God! Can you can you put your new name, still Wally. Say oh still God. Riley, yes. <laughs> can I? Can I swear? He's, he's like, <laughs> not <laughs> Wally anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and this is the No One's Land podcast, where basically we have conversations with creatives. So maybe you can say, you know, what is who it that are you? Do? Who Why are you? you? What's creative? your background? Why are you still Wally? How long oh. you been Wally? In is the question. I'm really feeling the pressure right now. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, so um, yeah, I'm Nathan, um, as I'm mostly known. Um, back home, I'm called Wally. Mm-hmm. My DJ name slash whatever is called Still Wally. Um, and yeah, um, I got into basically mixing earlier this year, thanks to Refuge Worldwide. And nice. I kind of went with the name Still Wally because, as I just said, back home, I'm called Wally. Why is that? Because my surname is Ade Wally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're in school... Yeah, Any, yeah, anyone, everyone take an opportunity to get Of course, of course. Yeah. So there, there was one time when I had a particular teacher and he couldn't pronounce my surname. So instead of Adewale, he called me Adewali. And <laughs> Has a nice ring to it too. I mean, as, as soon I mean, as people yeah. hear that, like it's... As soon as, yeah, as soon as the boys in class <laughs> hear that, it's over for you. What? Yeah, yeah. Wally. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, that stuck from pretty much the first week of school. So, um, yeah, that's been my name, full stop, back home. Like, no one calls me Nathan. My dad calls me Wally. My brother calls me Wally. Nice. Your dad calls you Wally. Everyone calls me Wally. Which is kind of nuts, because obviously it's his surname. So, yeah. That's Uh, cool. I I digress. But obviously I've been away. It's not obvious, but actually I left the UK when I was 17, 18. Okay. I I went to go study in Holland. I was there for like four and a half years. And then I moved straight to Berlin. So, actually... And I've been in like five years now. So um, actually, after a period of time, I kind of actually started to miss my nickname. I'm like, mm. oh, actually. Yeah, I feel that. Because, yeah, you had to start off a fresh new, yeah. new yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm Nathan. Everybody's calling me Nathan. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> or Nathan, depending yeah. on what <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the, the performance name is kind of like an ode to like... 
nice. back home, like I'm still Wally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I feel when that. I go home, it's still Wally. Like, <laughs> everything, mm. everything goes back to normal. Like you're Wally. Oh. <laughs> where, where exactly are you from? I'm from South London, um, okay. little area called Lewisham, um, deep, 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 deep south. Mm-hmm. Kind of don't like saying South London because it's almost cliche now to mm-hmm. me. But um, yeah, that's where I'm from. Love okay, it, nice. rep it till I die. Blue yeah. Borough, bang bang. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So why did you make the move to Berlin after Holland? Because the Netherlands is Ooh. sick too, right? Yeah, and you didn't know anybody in Berlin, right? Um, I wouldn't say that. Um, hmm, why did I move here? Okay, so I finished uni and I was away from home for like okay five years, basically. And after a period of time, you're like, okay, if I move back to London, especially like as a graduate, it's not like I'm going to get an amazing job straight away. It's not like I'm going to be able to like get my own place or be in a position where I can fully look after myself and be independent if I move back to London. Because like, as everyone knows, like London is probably the most expensive city in mm-hmm. Europe. Yeah, yeah. I think second to um, Switzerland or something like that. <clears throat> it was mm-hmm. the most expensive, like, well, Switzerland's not a city, obviously. But, like, um, yeah. yeah. My yeah. brother lives in London, and he has, like, a 20-square-meter bedroom in a shared apartment, and he pays, like, a thousand pounds. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's a <laughs> man. It's, it's Yeah, as a student as well. And I'm like, how... But that's a student price. <laughs> that's a student price. It's unreal in London. And um, I was super aware of that. I was like, yo, if I move back home, I'm going to be living with mum and dad for... A while. Yeah. <laughs> for, a, for a minute. And um, I don't come from a small family. Like, I have... There's six people in my family. There's me. There's my three siblings. There's my mum and my dad. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when you're away from home for so long, you kind of develop this sense of independence. Like, hey, I'm actually my own man. So all of a sudden, moving back into your dad's house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and where are your parents from? Uh, my parents... Well, my family's Nigerian. My parents were born in the UK, okay. though, so... So your grandparents so are like Nigerian. My grandparents are Nigerian. Okay. They're born in Nigeria. Okay. Um, kind of not, I identify as Nigerian British. Okay. Let's keep it yeah. safe. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously like moving back home with like into my dad's house after a period of time is not the one. And also then I've got my little brother who's also growing up. He's like 18 now. And I don't know if you know like 18 year old guys like the testosterone is there. Like, you you want to test everything. What are you really saying? So, um, yeah, every time I go home, I can't really do stay in that house for more than two weeks. Like love family, like love them to bits. Of course. Like, I mean, we all feel the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, love family, but I mean, living I mean, with family after yeah. you cross a certain point is just not. Exactly. Yeah. After, after being out, going back in is just. That's what I'm saying. If you leave, you just can't go back. Yeah. I mean, for me, I actually, that's not true. It's not that I never left, but I did university out my house. I did university in Trinidad mm-hmm. on UE campus, but like in the East. Um, so in a way I was separated from home, but just that, I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. have to go home for like, I did go home and then work. Um, and all those years that I was uh, working, I was living at home because renting outside just did not make sense. Mm. You know what I mean? Same thing. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, like it, it just doesn't make sense. Like you're just killing yourself for, mm-hmm. for what? You know what I mean? It makes zero sense. Like the situation back home is most of my friends would remain living with their parents until like the age of 25 or whatnot. Yeah. Which yeah. is mm-hmm. like the norm. 
but it's not my norm. I'm not used to that at what all. Would even be 25 mm-hmm. for me, bro. I was 20, I 27, 28. At least 25. Yeah. It would have been like, <laughs> I would have hit 30, I would like to hit 30 this year and I would have probably like, if I was still home, hit 30 then and then start to be like, all right, this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now to make moves kind yeah. of thing. I have, yeah. I have quite a few friends in Trinidad who moved out of their parents' house when they got married. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, straight with their partner. But I think that culture in the Caribbean and Latin America is quite common, whereas, mm-hmm. like, in the States and Europe, that's not a thing. Yeah. If you're, you're kind of like a loser if you still live with your parents. Yeah. It, it kind of depends. It depends where you're from. Like, for example, as I said, I'm Nigerian. I grew up around a lot of Africans, a lot of people from the Caribbean, particularly Jamaicans, and this culture mm-hmm. kind of translates into mm-hmm. the UK as well. Like, it's normal for kids to, like, stay with their family mm-hmm. until they're ready to buy their own house. True, true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, it's, it's the economical thing to do. Yeah, I know. But I mean, these right. Europeans, they, they, they dip in at 18. Yeah, they dip in 17. and they're renting. And, you know, Cause, but Because you, you can get... I moved out at 17 and I had an apartment for like sharing an apartment 300 euros each mm-hmm. kind of thing. Which yeah, is, yeah, that's like nothing. Yeah, yeah. you could go and waitress and make exactly. five times that. Yeah, that's, that's how I ended up in Berlin, actually. Like, yeah. Um, I kind of clocked straight away, actually, Berlin. is probably the next step because, first of all, I don't know if you guys know about Maastricht University, but it's actually very international. But mm-hmm. It has a strong, strong, strong German contingent. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people would go to Maastricht, do their, do their degree. Where is this? This is Holland. Holland. In Holland. So yeah. it's actually right by Cologne, Aachen, okay. that sort of area. Liège, actually, it's like this little triumvirate of Belgium, Germany. Holland. And super international, right? I know a lot of super. people who went there to study. I pretty much guarantee you know someone, probably from anywhere actually, you know someone who's been to Maastricht University from mm. Berlin. Like, mm-hmm. I can actually guarantee it. But um, yeah, so it's super common for people to come to Maastricht, do their degree, and then move to Berlin. Like, it was the norm, actually. Mm. <laughs> it was, I wouldn't say it's the norm, but it was very common. And um, so I was really kind of like somewhat familiar with Berlin. I visited a couple of times. I was like, yeah, the cost of living is... It's not that bad. I mean, back then it was. Now it's now it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, back then it was it was pretty nice. I mean, compared to Maastricht, it was cheaper, and obviously that makes it way cheaper than moving back to London. Mm-hmm. So um, it made sense. Um, the girl I was seeing at the time was also from Berlin, and when I moved in, I was able to like claim money from not claim money from the government but claim housing from the government you know mm. like wbs yeah mm-hmm. so like technically i was unemployed when i moved here mm-hmm. so i could be like hey actually i'm unemployed but I need and this was before brexit so yeah open arms a lot more straightforward you were european yeah. back then yeah <laughs> I've, I've always been british <laughs> but um yeah so like i mean my first apartment it was a good 250 euros on rent mm-hmm. which is a dream yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty easy decision to make. Everyone more or less, not everyone, but it's pretty easy to get by speaking English in Berlin as mm-hmm. well. And um, yeah, it was kind of an easy decision to make. Like, obviously, the girl scene was here as well, so like that made it, that made it a lot easier. But you, you, you moved to Berlin, and it was like, okay, cool. Well, this is uh, like economically, like something that's a no brainer, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just thinking about, yeah, alternatively going back to London and spending too much money or spending too much time around your family. But I also saw Berlin as a step between going back to London. So, like, mm. okay, it's a small town, Berlin is a bigger city, but like nowhere near the size of London. So, it's mm-hmm. like a little gradual step up to like, yeah, I'm gonna be back to London at some point. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. It's Somewhere funny how, how many people, um, 
moved to Berlin as a step in between doing something else. Really? And then it turns into like a five-year step slash ten-year mm-hmm. really? step, yeah. But step to do what? I mean, London? But like everybody's, like a lot of people are like, I'm going to move to Berlin for a bit and then head on somewhere. But the, the heading on somewhere kind of never happens. I mean, no one moves to Berlin to make money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think... Depends on where you move into Berlin from. Yeah, and but I, I think that like the Berlin scene, like a lot of people... When they when they move to Berlin, a lot of people just seem undecided in general. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I meet a lot of people who are very, um, yeah, not married to the idea of of living in Berlin. I mean, I mean, I guess this is a very strange concept for me because I am not British or European or American or Canadian or any big passport like that. So the thing is, mm-hmm. moving to a country is quite a, a deliberate decision that I have to make because I have to jump through a lot of hoops to do that. Mm-hmm. So I suppose. Um, in my mind, <clears throat> I guess it stood out more that a lot of people were so undecided, you know, mm-hmm. about Berlin. I've never really lived in any of the cities, so I can't really, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't done a survey. Mm-hmm. But still, I find like a lot of people, even though, and I should say that even though that they love the city, and even though that the city is very like, you know, is there to give them what they need, and like as an artist or as a person or whatever, a lot of people also like. Yeah, they 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 kind of like Berlin as a step, and they don't almost they don't want to commit to Berlin kind of mm-hmm. until they stay for like five or six years, yeah. and then they're like, okay, cool. Well, when I'm done with here, I'll go back home. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then they kind of yeah. But I think that Luca, like Luca, my roommate, he is a Croatian dude, and he moved around. Yeah, I think he's months in Berlin, actually, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved in COVID, so it wasn't the best time. It wasn't the best time convincing you that things were great in Berlin because mm-hmm. nothing was open, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but he moved a couple months ago when things were opening back up. And then he was like, you know, um, yeah, I don't know if I'll stay here. Now he's came for the arts. He came for the scene, you know what I mean? And he was telling me, yeah, I don't know, maybe I want to try um, Paris. I want to try New York and that kind of thing, you know? And I've been to Paris. I can't say I've spent like an extensive amount of time in Paris to, you know, I guess compared to Berlin properly, but at least if I compare the first two weeks that I was in Paris or the first to the two weeks that I was in Berlin when they were open, you know, I have to say that, like, Berlin has so much that a lot of places don't have, you know what I mean? And and I just found it, I mean, this is my personal opinion, but I just found it strange that a lot of people come to Berlin, and as great as it is, they still look at other cities and they're not convinced until they stay for like a couple of years. And I was telling him just the other day, like I was like, you know, like I know maybe like if you haven't been to other places or you haven't been around the idea of traveling and seeing and whatever, but I don't know what it is. And this could just be biased because as a man moved straight to Berlin and love Berlin and want to stay here for a while. Mm-hmm. But I tell him, I don't know, but I just feel like you're not going to get the same thing like in any other city you're just not gonna get it mm. i mean i am biased i am a big fan yeah. but i've I, i'm also traveled i've also done stuff and i did a lot of research before before i made this jump because i had to be a little bit more deliberate mm-hmm. you know because of my passport you know what i mean and I, I just always say that like yeah i don't know if you're gonna get the same thing mm-hmm. from berlin i mean obviously like you move in home you move in home but in terms of like checking out another city, yeah, you know what I mean. But I mean, it's it's also it it depends on what you're looking for, 
And then Berlin doesn't have like one personality, right? It has so many different characters. Like there's the, the techno scene, there's the African scene, there's the like highbrow, high snob society. Scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, there's like but the young professional <laughs> startup scene. And that's what, that, that's what's, what I found cool about Berlin is the yeah, yeah, diversity that you have here. Um, if I'm living in Germany, the only city I would live in is Berlin because of how multicultural it is and because of how much... Um, potential it has to do something in the art scene like there's a lot of support for people who are now beginning and stuff like this Mm -hmm. but if you're somebody who wants to at some point like settle down and do the whole family thing yeah I mean, it's not necessarily i think about this all the time and i'm thinking about like what is he what does he move if you ever and i had this discussion with my roommate do you think that berlin is the type of city that you could be uh like retired in like do you mm-hmm. think that you if you want to settle down and say you want to be i don't know say you're f- let's say 55 let's be extreme let's not say 35 or 40 you know what i mean mm-hmm. but let's say 55 right and do you want to have kids 55 is pretty early <laughs> <laughs> do you want to have kids do you envision yourself with a family oh yeah for sure man. okay cool. would so you so do it in berlin the last one i'm saying so if you're 55 and you, you like, and you, so f- theoretically at 55, I'd imagine you have started this family that you, you see yourself having, right? Do you see that happening in Berlin as comfortably as, you know, like doing that would go? Do you know what I mean? No, it's a bit of a weird one because, like, obviously I'm from the UK and I mean, I'm from London. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my, like, my, my basis my foundation like that's kind of how i understand it's like the way to bring up kids mm-hmm. um at least my parents they moved as far away from the center of mm-hmm. london as possible in order to like raise their family in the way that they felt fit um in berlin i feel because i know when how old are you when you came here i was 27 and you know 27 yeah no, but you're older than me. I'm older than you by like a year. Yeah. I came in 2019. Wait, I just turned 28. Yeah, I turned so 27 then, in Berlin. Yeah, so if I came when so I was you came 27, you came when you were 25. You're two years younger than me. No, I came when I was 26. 26. Yeah. Depends. When I was 26, because I had my first birthday in Berlin. My, my 27th birthday in Berlin. Quick math. I mean, I, I came when I was 23. Mm-hmm. So for me, like... Congratulations on still being alive. Because <laughs> if I came to Berlin when I was twenty-three, dog, oh my god, I would have, I'd have been lost. I would have been lost yeah, right now. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty easy. You see that pretty, you see that pretty often, to be honest. But um, yeah, I came to Berlin at twenty-three, and I was a bit of a clean slate. So um, only thing I knew about what I wanted to do in Berlin was I wanted to work in music, and that was going to be my focus. But obviously, as time kind of goes on, you kind of see different parts of Berlin, like. I wanted to initially get into the creative scene and be like around the parties, go clubbing, rah, 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 rah. You get a bit tired of that and you kind of diversify mm-hmm. your interests and like your your actions like and where you are. So like you kind of go and see different parts of Berlin and you kind of introduce yourself or you meet new people. Like, for example, I have plenty of friends here who are like 45, 50 who have mm-hmm. kids. You know, I mean, guys who are 30 <laughs> and have kids, yeah. you know. And it does seem like pretty possible actually to raise a family here. Like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. it's not that I don't think it's possible. I just think, like... I think a lot of the people who move here who say they don't want to stay here long term say that, or at least some of them, with the mindset of, I don't want to stay here when I start having a family. 
But I think there's still a lot of people who move to Berlin and are like, this is where I'm staying, you know? Because it's like what you said, there's a scene for everybody, right? Yeah. So, and I, and I kind of believe that too, that there's a scene for everybody and it's not, it's not ridiculous for you to be 45 and still have a thriving 45-year-old mm. lifestyle, yeah. even if it's drastically different from what your 25-year-old lifestyle mm. is. You know what I mean? But the thing is, the only type, the only Berlin that I do know is... Is is the, the, like a, is a scene that I don't know that I would be like such a huge part of when I'm 55, yeah. you know, or whatever. But there's also a change in times. So like, there's this preconception we may have based on how our parents raised us and the situation we came up with. Like, okay, this is how a family should be raised. Mm -hmm. But obviously, times ain't the same. Like, we're different people compared to like the previous generations. Yeah. So like, actually, it could be fairly possible to still like actually have a social life. Still yeah, I mean, I mean, still be able yeah. to go out. I just, I just think about it, you know, like the contrast because, yeah, because the thing is, when you're home, you obviously grew up there, so you mm -hmm. know, you have, at least have like a relationship to like your parent or your guardian or whatever, so you have an idea of what their lifestyle was when you were growing up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I suppose for me, coming here to Berlin, I don't, I don't have that reference point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I only know me as a 27-year-old or me as a 30-year-old in Berlin and the lifestyle I'm living now. So the thing is, when you think of like how you grew up, you think of that in the context of home mm -hmm. and you, you know what the references are, you know what those people that age were doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas like, I mean, I suppose it'll be like anything else. You'll just figure it out as you go. Yeah. But then, exactly. but the thing is, the the... I suppose the real question is not that if you can't, because of course you can, right? <laughs> um, I suppose the real question is if it will still be as fulfilling as it is when you're young and mm -hmm. on this scene. You know what I mean? Because you could be, yeah, if you're an artist and you're, I mean, I intend to work until I die or, you know, until, mix until I die, DJ until I die. <laughs> That's my plan, you know? Mm -hmm. I want to be old as shit, you know, mm -hmm. pulling up to gigs, you know what I mean? Um, but... Which you can't do now. Like Which you can't do, of I, course. I, I did like a the B2B jam session with the Creative Studios workshop with, I think she was in her 50s and she's still playing gigs and she had a hard play, like her <laughs> music library. I was yeah. just like, we were pushing tracks to each other back and forth right through because she was still fully in the scene. Yeah. But, and the thing is, but the difference is, is that when you're that age, you're not going to be... So now, if I had a gig, like the gig I had, the, my first like gig when I had in Kluko Kanish, and it was mm -hmm. the, the day of your birthday or mm -hmm. whatever. Like, I left that, came by you, had a drink, and then went to about blank for that yeah. weekend. Yeah, 55 hour rave. <laughs> stayed there until... <laughs> 55 hours later. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> you know? So the thing is... Like you do that and then you, you go home and then you go and then you die. And then when you wake up, yeah. you go, ah, Berlin. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. And you go, this is what I came for kind of thing. And you feel fulfilled in that kind of way, right? Yeah. And now when you're, when you're older, like I'd say, you know, theoretically say I'm a dad and I have kids and whatever, I'm 55. I don't think I'm going to be leaving my gig to go to a 55 hour rave, you know? Yeah. And while the gig itself I'm sure will, will never ever stop being fulfilling to me or the music forever will fuel my life is the lifestyle still like the like the lifestyle that I came to Berlin for is that still going to be appealing or whatever the 55 year old version of that is is that still going to be like appealing to me you know is it a city that you come to because it Berlin is a very young city it is right and I asked I had this conversation with my my old roommate and we were like you know do you see yourself in Berlin like 
old. Do you think it would be wait. just as fun? Wait, where do you live? Uh, in Berlin. No, where? Schoenberg. <laughs> Schoenberg, yeah. And you? You're here. Okay. okay <laughs> yeah. So I feel that also depends on where you live. Yeah. You know what, what do you mean? mean? Live in Prenzlauer, Oh, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course, of course, of course. <laughs> I think it you, makes a big you, difference. You live by Cotty. Like, yeah. It's two very different Exactly. Very you different lifestyles. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not going to live in the heart of Neukölln. Right. Right. And have like a family. And have a family and expect it to be, yeah. 100%. Karl Marx, Chancellor. Yeah, we're raised kids. And 100%, I agree oh, too, because, you know, you know, I grew up with like a garden too. I grew up in a house in a right. garden. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I don't know how it was for you in London, but... I had a garden. Uh, this, uh, yeah. <laughs> I had a garden. Yeah, and don't uh, you want your kids to have a garden? Sorry? Don't you want your kids to have a garden? Or you don't at, think... At some point, I don't know. <laughs> when I was growing up, I didn't have a garden. They could go and play I in the park. My parents, my parents had four kids. I think the second one, no, the third one up with a garden mm. the first two we grew up with balconies mm. <laughs> that's what i'm saying so it's, awesome. it's part of the process yeah, yeah. that's what i'm saying it's part of, and, and when i think of like how i grew up on my garden being such a big part of like how i was and every day i came from school and played my dogs in mm-hmm. the garden and sitting in the grass mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and there are people here who never experienced that in life they went to parks and shit mm-hmm. and then they, they know balconies they know apartments kind mm-hmm. of thing and then i think of course you know because you i mean i don't know if you'll even think like this but i'm just i guess saying how i think you know when i think of these things you try and envision like best case scenario you try and envision like what you want obviously mm-hmm. you know and when you envision how you grow up and you, you try and take the pros and the cons and try and make the best of it for the next generation i think yeah i kind of want to live in a house or have mm-hmm. a family in a house, not a have mm-hmm. a family in a flat and have, you know what I mean? And then I think, because then when I express this to like Berliners who are here, you know, and they're like, well, the only place that you can have a house that's not like mega racist, you know what I mean? They're all pretty Fine. boring places yeah. to, mm-hmm. to live in. They're fun, they're boring and they're, you know what I mean? And then it's not big. You can just go to places. Yeah, that's what I say too. I'm like, dog. What do you mean? Like the transportation yeah. system here is do you, so good. Do you, you know where exactly? We, we I used to travel two hours to get to school, even though it was really really close because of the traffic that we had to deal with. Really? Yeah, like going from Glencoe to to Donruss. Oh, and <laughs> you know what I mean. And my parents, or not two hours, but like an hour. And my parents used to drop us to school every morning. Like drive there and then drive to work, and I'm like, you could jump in an Uber and you're wherever you want to be in 45 That's minutes true. in Berlin. It's exactly. not that. Deep. I don't want to hear anybody talk about like things far. And, yeah, no. And as, if they can't be there in 10 minutes, it's far. <laughs> exactly that's what it is it's like oh yeah exactly 10-15 minutes if they're not there that's so far mm-hmm. and that's when I say like because I live in Schinnebeck now mm-hmm. which is a very family oriented neighborhood right mm-hmm. it's very a lot of young families um, lots of kids so yeah that would definitely be a, a district to be in uh, if you had that but then again not many houses still apartments yeah. you know what I mean yeah. but like vetting for example like I'm gonna hopefully fingers crossed mm-hmm. move to vetting mm-hmm. um this month and I always like vetting and and a lot of people like vetting but a lot of people say yeah vetting's cool but it's so far far from what and I'm like <laughs> I'm like how <laughs> like how far is far you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. it's not you know what I mean yeah. but you're right I guess people are spoiled with like yeah, things yeah. so they're like especially if you live in Nakhon and everything is 10 minutes away it's true yeah yeah, yeah. you live in Nakhon right no I live in Kreuzberg I live right by oh, okay okay <laughs> yeah you're also so you in know. the source yeah, 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 yeah in yeah. deep I wake mm. up in the morning it's and smell the storm. <laughs> yeah. Have you always been in Cut in like or in Cutty in Kreuzberg? 
Yeah, pretty much. I'm a big Crisberg boy. That's my favorite area in Berlin. Mm. Um, Have you lived anywhere else? Or? I lived in Prenzlauerberg for a short three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if that counts. Oh, three weeks. No, yeah, it wasn't really my vibe. <laughs> it counts to get to know Prenzlauerberg. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it was enough. Yeah. <laughs> but and then you came Crisberg. Crisberg is my area. That's my favorite part of Berlin. And mm. I mean, to be honest, I'm not the kind of guy who actually wants to raise a family in Berlin necessarily. Mm. Like, mm. Like, an important thing for me would be actually being around my family. Mm. And not only are they in London, but they also dislike Berlin. So. <laughs> Why? Uh, it's kind of my fault, maybe, I think. Um, they all came to visit me one time, like, the whole group. And, um, like, I mean, you can see me. I'm, I'm a big guy. Um, my dad's a big guy. My mum's pretty tall for a, for a woman. Um, my sister's we're all, we're all pretty big like mm-hmm. so it's Tall actually family. it's a bit of a sight actually seeing like <laughs> six like black people walking through the streets of Berlin like, like, like you know <laughs> that's why I always tell Curtis like Curtis is always like because <laughs> Curtis I don't know if you ever met Curtis he's our friend is training yeah, Curtis well I think so right but Curtis is like he's six foot five yeah. or six or some mm-hmm. ridiculous figure like that how tall are you six foot yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think actually Curtis is taller than you. Like, <laughs> Curtis, Curtis bends his head, it's stepping and doorways, into every yeah. doorway that yeah. he's ever, like, I don't even want to know, you know what I mean? But he'll be, <laughs> but he'll be walking through Finchstein and I don't know, like, we, we'd, we'd have a joint or whatever and, like, he'd be like, damn, I fucking hate when people stare at me, dog. Don't, don't watch me. You're like the trip. tallest black guy like, they've ever seen. You are like the tallest dude in Germany and like you're the <laughs> tallest black guy they've ever seen in their life. Like, what do you mean? You know what I mean? Like, it's so yeah, this must have been a spectacle. It's a yeah. spectacle, but like, obviously, this is because we're in Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess in, in London, as a normal in sight London, to see. Fine in Germany. It's casual, like, yeah. Yeah. black people everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, even besides that, as I said, it was my fault because, like, they came by and I was actually still working on those days, so I didn't take time off. So they made their own fun. And one of the things they did to, like, fill up time was go on an alternative tour in Berlin. Uh oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and at one point they ended up in Gellers Park. Uh oh. <laughs> I still remember my dad calling me. Yeah, like, you, you, you can't let them loose. In, uh, what, you can't let family loose in Berlin. What's going on here, Nathan? Like, there's, there's families barbecuing right next to like African drug dealers, like, like <laughs> and the police are right there watching everything. Like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> this is the ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like that's their perception of Berlin. Like, okay. Especially as like an older family. I mean. I don't necessarily know what to show them, you know. Like, how do I? What do I take my fifteen-year-old sister or the fifteen-year-old brother to go and do in mm-hmm. Berlin? What do I take my fifty-year-old dad to go and do? My fifty-year-old mum, like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I just had my wanna, family here. Yeah, come back. It was quite a <laughs> challenge too because everybody has a different right agenda. Like, yeah. I don't want to do the same things you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I do is not. You can't just step into my Berlin lifestyle and like. Yeah, you do tourist shit. You do like history stuff. The yeah. history, you know, Germany and Berlin has crazy. Go to dinner. My family don't care about history. Mm-hmm. They don't care about history. Oh man, they don't. What do they do? Names. What do your parents do? They go partying with their friends. <laughs> no, but like, what do they do professionally? <laughs> oh, my dad works in finance and my mum works in insurance. Okay, okay. cool. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if that, if that explains anything. So how did you... How did <laughs> you... <laughs> Just, I, because you said they don't care about history, so yeah. I was like, what do they what care is, about, you know? But, so, but if, so how did you end up in music with like... Because they have very serious jobs. Ooh, yeah, they do. Um, hmm. I've always, I mean, I've always had a passion for music, but this again, this actually does stem a bit from family and the way I was brought up. So um, I'm actually from a 
very a relatively serious Christian family. So I grew up in church. I grew, Same. I grew mm-hmm. up singing. Yeah. I grew Same. up like choir, Same. gospel. Like so you could sing. No. <laughs> but that's what I grew up doing. I was singing like I go to church every every Sunday, maybe twice a week, depending on who I'm with. Praise and worship. Go visit my grandma. Twice a week. That's a lot. I did once a week for sure, but twice a week as well. Twice it depends where I live. So like I was, I used to live with my grandma for a bit, and she's very pious. So mm. she'd be going to church on a serious thing, like after midnight. <laughs> what? She'd be, she'd be going on a mad thing. So like. Very, very serious. So, like, you know, sometimes I go to church once a week. A bit earlier on, I'd be maybe go twice or three times. So um, I kind of grew up around, like, obviously singing in church. But my dad also used to play the guitar. And when I grew up, I was also trying to play the guitar. It wasn't very good. Played the piano. Played the keyboard. I was a bit better. But um, one of my, some of my earliest and strongest memories have always been of, like, being in the car home after like a party or like church or something late at night and my parents like putting music on the radio or maybe mm-hmm. like half asleep. I'm like, I'm listening to them like having a great time singing like Luther Vandross, like Michael Jackson, like mm-hmm. I still, same, love, same, Luther, same, I still same. love Luther Vandross to this day. Same, like, same, every same. single set I'll play, yeah. I'll play, I'll play some Luther Vandross. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you can check every single set, there's yeah, some yeah. Luther Vandross. But um, I've always kind of like had this like little inkling in my mind. And when I was in high school, not high school, we call it secondary school, too European. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in secondary school, me and some friends, we actually put on a big showcase. This is one of my first music projects. We put on a big showcase for basically South London, where we highlighted some of the up and coming musical talent. And this was a big deal. We had like a lot of people coming. We put a lot of effort into it. And I really enjoyed the outcome. Like, some of the artists who actually performed for us have actually made it pretty big since. And like, um, I don't know if you guys will know, but if you're listening, check out Hardy Caprio and MNEK in particular. Like these are some really big artists in the UK that have made like an actual substantial career out of music. And Hardy Caprio and who? Hardy Caprio and MNEK. M-N-E-K. He's a pop star. But, um, yeah. Mm. Um, they made a substantial career out of music and we were pro- pretty much the first ones to like put them on a stage. Really? Like, oh, Are they also from South London? Or? Yeah, it was everyone there was South London. Mm-hmm. Like every single person. Everyone. <laughs> so um, that was kind of like my first real foray personally into music and that was like, yeah, as the foundation of like my passion really. Like, okay, I want to go and work in music and I want to do this sort of thing where I'm working mm-hmm. with artists and kind of doing something in a creative kind of uh, situation. So um, after that, I went to uni. I think that, that first event happened when I was like 15, 16. So later on, I went to uni at like 17. And what did you I was, study? I did two courses. I did European law and European studies. Hmm. Brexit happened in my third year. And yeah. And you're like, fuck <laughs> Europe. <laughs> but I'm not working for the European okay. Commission. Like, there's no way. Um, I don't care about the Maastricht fucking, yeah. So yeah, I was in Maastricht and um, while I was there, I also started a big kind of music organisation in conjunction with the Maastricht government and also with an investor. And what we did there for like two, three years was basically set up an entire music infrastructure where... Well, I don't know if you guys aren't from Holland, but like a few years ago, Dutch music was trash. Like <laughs> <laughs> until you came there, you know? honestly, I'd go, I'd go to the music, I'd go to like clubs and stuff, and they'd be playing like 
David Guetta. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Didn't have much of an underground scene. Yeah, I know that whole area where music was garbage. Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. Kelly Rowland was like running everything and that's all you'd be hearing. And, I mean, like, we're from Trinidad where they've been playing the same music for the last 25 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, the only thing that has updated is Soka and Dancehall, yeah. mm-hmm. but they have basically been playing the same mixtape of like foreign music for like forever. I literally went home the other day um, after not being home for two or yeah two years or something mm-hmm. and I, I i went out and nothing mm. nothing changed like the radio even, even the rap changed. music that they played in the clubs they're, back they're when we were still like playing 16 DJ party they're yeah. still everybody's still putting their hands up bringing up everybody's Lamborghini. man it's 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 unreal yeah. it's unreal so yeah i mean I, I i know how it is to be in like a stuck in a music ecosystem where they don't have any depth Past a certain level. Every time I go out, I'd hear that Kid Cudi tune remix. Pursuit of happiness and yeah, 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 Love Kid Cudi, hate that song. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was as I mentioned earlier, like it's a very international university. So obviously, as a young man, I kind of gravitated towards other people who were from England, and obviously, we're in a situation where like Yo, I don't like going out. I don't like hearing this sort of thing. Let's do our own thing. So we started two initiatives. Um, one, where we did like a big night every two weeks, where we basically got various artists from around the world, really, like the UK, the US, Holland, Germany. Like we really kind of like freed the net out and really tried to pull in as many kind of artists that we appreciated and we kind of knew that were going to be next up. So, for example... Um, we got a bunch of selection artists to come perform in a okay. little town called Maastricht. Mm-hmm. We got um, Stormzy to come by just, bef- just before. Oh, we shit. Like, really? Like, slow tie. Um, and a few others where, like, actually, these are great artists and they're at a point where, like, we can actually book them. This was before they bus. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We can actually book them for decent rates and yeah, yeah. we can make something out of it. We can actually make a big night and people will come and see these guys because they have content. They nice. just haven't blown up yet. You know, it must be really satisfying when you book these guys and then watch them blow up. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's satisfying. That but like, I mean, was, if you pay attention, it's, it was pretty... Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's how it always is, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you tell people, yeah, yeah, of course. And then it gets annoying when like, you know, you find a song and then you're like, this is a real good song. And then like the song blows up or whatever and mm-hmm. then it becomes like a number mm-hmm. one hit and then all of a sudden it's not cool anymore. You yeah, I mean, I mean... And then you can't be like, I, I, I found this song before it was Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, you can't because it's then you're not cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, especially like the whole selection, yeah, for real, like with the whole selection thing as well and like actually that was a whole like period of music of time where actually every time I went on SoundCloud, it was basically his own genre. So like Soul Action basically included, I don't know, K Trinada. Like he wasn't like yeah. directly affiliated, but like it was that whole sound. And yeah, it, was, it was nice to be slightly ahead of the curve of these guys and mm-hmm. be like, hey, actually, this sounds a mad thing and you're going to fucking, you're all yeah. going to love it at some point. Yeah, We're yeah, going to yeah. give it to you now. And we managed to build like an actual successful night just based on bringing in these sort of like, I, I feel like they're high caliber artists. But um, we also had another separate night where we kind of tried to appeal to the actual people of Maastricht. So the big night was mainly aimed at like the internationals who mainly may, maybe appreciate like a hip hop urban sound. But we'd actually kind of tried to make another night where we'd reach out to like the locals, the actual people of Maastricht who maybe didn't integrate so much with the internationals. Because as I said, like as a young person, you kind of gravitate towards people who are like you. Mm-hmm. You know, like people from Maastricht, people from that whole area, Limburg, 
they're completely different. <laughs> so what were they into? They went to the cheesy stuff like the David Guetta's or um, so obviously like the the whole event, the whole organization was called Trump Loy and it was urban rap kind of that so that whole kind of area of music, like R and B beats and obviously like this is an international this is a universal sound. Everyone loves this stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're in Holland, doesn't matter if you're in Taipei, China, New Zealand, everyone's gonna have an appreciation of rap and their mm-hmm. own kind of their own interpretation. Mm-hmm. So we built a separate night where we tried to like bring that Dutch Limburg area interpretation of hip hop and rap together with what we were doing. So like mm-hmm. in the UK, like the rap I grew up with was Graham. Mm-hmm. Which like they would have an appreciation of, but they don't necessarily understand or actually know. Mm-hmm. It just must be like a little strange, you know. Yeah, like if you because you know what hip hop sounds like, and then you hear like a, a a British accent on on like a like a very electronic mm-hmm. instrumental mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and then it must be very. Yeah, it, you, you could probably could, re, could relate to it, but it it's definitely I'm, still we saw it in like strange. in real time. So like this event was yeah. basically like essentially an open mic. We yeah, found, yeah, yeah. We found a basement and we just told local kids like, yo, come through, international guys, come through. And we found a dope DJ, shout out Mike, he's still doing his thing. And um, we'd spin everything from hip hop through to like rap, through to like grime and a bit of drill because that was coming through at the time. And it was super nice having people on stage like in their comfort zone, like in a like rapping a little hip hop, boom, bap, 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 bap. And then we spin some grime into it and they, they lose composure. <laughs> 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 like, you know, have, have some 140 BPM. <laughs> how, do you, how do you flow on that? <laughs> so um, that was great because, like, obviously it's a bit of a challenge, but people love that stuff. They're introduced to something new and it really took hold. Like, people really started gravitating towards those nights in a way that the other big nights that are a bit more generic and aimed at a wider audience, in a, in a way that that couldn't capture. Like, yeah. So, for example, I've left Holland a long time ago now, <laughs> like five, six years ago. And obviously we left me, my friend, my friend, oh shit, my friend moved to China and we've completely left. It. I haven't been back to Maastricht since, but um, that night is still going. So someone has actually mm. taken the temporary, the imprint and they're still that's running. That's so good. I love that. Because that's the, that's the, the most worried, like the most worrying thing when you <laughs> do something that's, great mm-hmm. and you know it's great and you know it's good for like a community or a scene or whatever mm-hmm. and then you yourself have to leave and then you know that you would put x amount of energy into this and you don't know if you could trust someone mm-hmm. else to do that yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You're like you're, you're passing on your baby and hoping that it survives and that somebody's gonna take care of it the way exactly you take care exactly of it. for sure like yeah. i passed it on to someone he left he passed it on to someone else mm. it's like passed hands several times but i checked mm. it on but it would be interesting to go back like after 10 years and see what it's through yeah you, you should go back and see what it's oh. evolved can you imagine because that's all <laughs> yeah. david get again the kid got his song like, ah, no, he's like god oh, damn it you know <laughs> no i'm not i'm not too worried about that whole switch because i know my my boy mike like the most solid guy. He's still he's still the DJ for this sort mm. of thing. He's not an organizer, but he's still the go to DJ, and he knows what to play. Like yeah, yeah. That guy he knows the time in. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll never go back. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't go back, so you've never been back to check your friends or nothing. Oh, you don't have no friends. It's different people now, though. Yeah, okay. I get you know that. I mean, like, I mean, so you didn't make any Dutch friends. I got Dutch friends. They've all moved away from Maastricht. Though. But Maastricht is the kind of place where people go study and then okay. bust out. Maybe, man. I mean, that town's tiny. Yeah. I was there for five years. That was way too long. Mm. <laughs> I should have been there for three years and I would have been super happy with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, after that, it got a bit like too claustrophobic. I'll, I'll step out and I'll be yeah, like yeah. two minutes walking down the street. Oh, hey, Nathan. Like, oh. leave mm. me alone. <laughs> like, like turn that. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah. leave me alone. So, I mean, I'm not going to go back there. It's doing its own thing and I'm super happy to see it develop in its own way. But um, yeah, that was kind of... That's the, how you came into it? That's the mm-hmm. second step. So like first it was London and then Maastricht doing this whole thing. And then I moved to Berlin. And obviously I said like one of the main motivations for coming here was the girl I was seeing, blah, 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 cost of living, blah, blah, blah. But also I came with my friend and we wanted to start our own kind of organization based on content, music content, music video content. Mm-hmm. And um, we came in, we had a business plan, we were looking for inv- investors and money and whatnot. But um, unfortunately, um, Colors Berlin kicked off like oh, just no. like really? two months like after I moved there. And that was literally the, ex- I'm not going to say the exact thing, but it was pretty much. Along the same lines, if yeah. you were yeah, to execute no. it after that, then you would have looked like the copycat. Exactly. Yeah. Especially in that period, it would have been like, okay, you're just trying to like jump on a bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it kind of took the wind out of, out of ourselves a bit. Like we kind of lost a bit of motivation there. And I was like, uh. I need to make money. I have to get a job. And mm-hmm. obviously once you kind of get into that, that loop, like money first, you kind of lose a bit of that impetuous to like really push and it's really not, build not, it's not necessarily money first but it's like you have to pay bills you have yeah, to yeah. take exactly. care of certain things you know it's, it's not that you become a money man but you've you're not a kid anymore you have mm-hmm. to be practical mm-hmm. with your decisions you know exactly i mean i'm not saying i'm a money man but like for that period of time it became a, more of a focus like okay i still want to do music but i have to find work in music that makes sense and can help me like actually move forward so that took priority for that period of time. And unfortunately, um, in that period of time, my friend Orlando, um, shout out Orlando, um, he got very disillusioned with Berlin and um, mm. decided to move to China. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's such a, like, I have a lot of questions for Orlando. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's still there, man. He's having a great time. Man. Is he in China? China or like Hong Kong, Taiwan? Isn't he told me, yo, Nathan, I moved to China. And I was like, oh, okay. so um, where are you moving to? Don't pull that shit with me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, already, I already lived in China. I know, that's what I was saying. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I was like, yo, where are you moving to? And he was like, Chongqing. Okay. All right. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, that's China, China. That's some like that's deep, China, China. You being deep. racist? It's <laughs> 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 a sort of joke. <laughs> Chongqing. Yeah, he showed yeah. me a map. I was like, oh, yeah. I swear yeah. that city's massive. And <laughs> yeah, so he moved out there and um, kind of like built a life for himself and he actually hasn't come back to Europe in that four years, Damn. unfortunately. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, so I kind of like put that idea to the wayside and kind of just focused on trying to make a corporate career in terms of music. So getting into music industry and learning as much as I needed to learn in order to get out of it at some point and just become my own like freelance kind of Yeah. Yeah. If you want if you need something, come to me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But obviously that's a process. You have to get jobs, you have to meet people. Of you course. Have to learn it's all networking. Mm-hmm. You are yeah, you build a reputation for yourself. Exactly. People have to like know who you are and you have to know who you are and what you're capable of and what you want to be able to do. Yeah. And as I said, I came at 23. Like, I was a blank canvas, essentially. Like, yeah, I just yeah. knew I needed mm. to learn. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that really became my focus. And it was my focus for all, maybe a year or two before I realized. This, I mean, I got, I got into the first job I got was licensing, music licensing, which mm. is, I thought it was like, it made sense at the time because I actually wanted to learn a lot about the music industry in terms of like how artists get paid, how that whole side of thing works. Because not a lot of people know this stuff. 
Like you can be. Yeah, married. yeah, it's true. Mm. It doesn't matter where you are in the music industry, but that that end, the licensing end, you know, the music business side of it, mm. a lot of people don't know what's going on there. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean, luckily now there are a lot of services. You can do a lot of things on your own. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of you know you can distribute and and, right. and all these things like from home and from your bedroom. But, but even then, if you're using a service, don't still necessarily know what's happening. Exactly, you're exactly. You don't even know what's happening behind the scenes. You know, right. you just know that you may be paying a service and then sending something out, mm. but you don't know exactly what mm-hmm. the nitty gritty is when it comes to. You know, if you want to, yeah, like like licensing music for shows and TV and all this, and getting those royalties back, and it's a whole right. It's a whole. It's it's a big rigmarole. rigmarole. Yeah, (laughs) whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how does it work? Like, just because I have no idea how it works. Like in an elevator pitch version. Elevator pitch music. So really, it depends on your situation. Whether you are an independent artist or whether you're signed to like a label with a publishing division. So I was working for a company called ICE and we worked with the big publishers and also the collection societies such as, I don't know, in the UK we have PRS, in the Germany you'd have Gamer, in Holland you'd have Boomer, in the US you'd have like ASCAP and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are collection societies that basically collect the money and they distribute to individuals. So um, long story short, my job at ICE involved me being the middleman between a publisher, so let's say... Sony, and a DSP, a digital service provider. So let's say um, Spotify. Mm. So Spotify would have an agreement with Sony. This would, when I put simply, this would mean that Spotify has access to Sony's repertoire of music. And part of the agreement entails that Spotify has to send reports over to Sony or to ICE, basically, really detailing how this music has been used how much has how much has been listened to streams, um, the splits in terms of I don't know if you look at Spotify, there's different payment plans. So mm-hmm. you know there's family, there's duo, there's, there's there's all sorts of payment plans. Each of these payment plans affects how much money is actually paid back to Sony and first the artist. Mm. So we'd get massive, massive, massive detailed reports, kind of detailing all of this. <laughs> like it's a a lot of data. And you you are representing an artist. I'd be representing, I mean, really it's a case-by-case basis. So if there's maybe a big issue with, I don't know, we had a lot of problems with like Adele, for example, where like uh, <laughs> she wasn't she wasn't being paid the correct amount because Spotify had misinterpreted a contract. So like we'd, we'd offered to pay Sony the amount that Spotify had owed them and Sony would come back to us like, hey, actually, this is a big deal because in the system, you've completely put the splits down incorrectly. Mm. So Sony's meant to be getting this amount, Adele's meant to be getting this amount, blah, 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 blah. And they completely fucked up the splits. So this obviously affects how the money actually travels and trickles down to the publisher and the individual, et cetera, et cetera. And this would come up relatively often. Um, ACDC also had it. Um, Burner Boy had it. Wizkid had it at a certain point. Um, I'd, I'd also have to pick up Imagine, my imagine how yeah. many... Um, like. These are the people who found out, but how many people don't realize, or how many times? It- I guarantee the artists never yeah. knew about the shit. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. never do. This yeah. is all big business. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like when you get to the level of Adele and, and and Drake and these people pulling millions of streams or whatever, they don't, that's when yeah. that's when the, the money is like. I don't know. They make so much money from performances mm. and everything else that streaming money comes in, but it's like it's mm. changed. You know, it's far less when you get down to independent artists like if you start putting music on spotify like you're getting nothing on top of nothing mm-hmm. spotify needs to spotify needs to pay their fucking artists that's what spotify <laughs> needs to do i mean 
as I mean, it's pretty much as you said, but like for artists like Adele, they're actually really big property for the publisher like Sony. So yeah, I mean, the change that Adele be getting would maybe be relatively insignificant, but to Sony, that's a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know. So it's actually a very big deal for them when something is goes wrong on the whole processing side of things. So um, like yeah, I'd often have to be on hand to like really make sure that I was working out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that shit wasn't really of interest to me. It was like in, intensely like data heavy and a lot of Excel, a lot of programming, a lot of SQL, um, a lot of Python. Really stuff that I really wasn't interested in. Like I really got into it to learn the skills because I felt like this is useful stuff to know. Yeah, and at the, yeah, at the end yeah. of the day, I'm learning stuff and this is great, but it's not your passion. So, um, I mean, kind of like a year into that job, I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to just lean on what I do know, which is working with artists. And this is stuff that I've been doing since I was basically 16 up until I came to Berlin. And I kind of just kind of drew on those contacts and kind of like started to levy what I knew in terms of licensing and tried to apply it to like, okay, a lot of artists I know are independent and they have a manager and they don't necessarily have the know-how to be able to like execute on certain things in terms of publishing and licensing, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's kind of, that was kind of my, my kickoff point in terms of being a music consultant. This um, kind of developed over time into like using my data analysis skills to like help artists reach a particular audience. Um, For example, Hardy Caprio, for example, he'd, he'd hit me up and be like, Hey, I want to make sure I can establish a concrete audience in Germany. And I want to start doing like tours and shows out here. So I'd be on hand to like help him in terms of like, okay, this is how you reach out to this audience. This is like what they're listening to now. And this is how maybe your sound can translate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was a bit funny because he actually released a song called Guten Tag. And <laughs> based on like that sort of information and that really took off and gave me a bit of a, bit of a, a head start in terms of like nice. advice. Cause like that was a big song for him. It's still doing numbers on Spotify. He still goes to like, I don't know, it's one of these shitty clubs in Berlin every now and again. And you still hear our Guten Tag being mixed, um, which I don't <laughs> nice. like. But, like <laughs> but yeah, um, and I kind of started with that. And a few years later, kind of developed into like, okay, I've been in Berlin for like three years. Who do I know here? Um, so that led to like working with some German artists. Um, initially, I was working with Ufo, did a bit of work with Passion Him, um, which is great. That puts me in a different situation. But the brunt of my work is working with UK artists. Yeah? Um, yeah, the majority. Actually. And that's doing music consulting for UK Music consultation. So, like, really it's ad hoc work. People hit me up for projects. Like, okay, we're trying to do a tour here. How do we reach this audience? Who do we need to know? How do we reach a venue? Blah, 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 blah. Um, it's a lot of different stuff. And right now it's kind of... I'm and that's a lot closer mm-hmm. to what you care about, yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. I love working for artists, as I said. And... Um, that's kind of my long-term kind of goal. I want to be able to like focus on something at some point and kind of like, like, hey, actually, I'm the go-to for this and you can reach out to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and also I've been working, as you know, like with Dead Hype, actually. Um, so that's, again, building on... And what's your capacity at Dead Hype? Really, it started recently in terms of like just music consultation and like... Really but they don't make... They, they, they put the music out there? Like, what are they... Okay, so Dead Hype actually is um, largely skewed towards fashion, but they started off in Berlin with Zalando, actually. So really? one of their big projects initially was working with Zalando on the Bread and Bar festivals. 
this okay, month. Okay. Might be slightly before your time if you guys came in the last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Just mm, say three and a half, four years ago. Okay. 2020, let's say 2019, around then. They're working on Bread and Butter with Zalando. They did it two years consecutively, and this is basically a big, big fashion, music, cultural festival mm-hmm. where like Zalando would set up this whole thing. And they fly in like musicians and artists from around the world to like kind of come and perform and do their thing. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I kind of stepped in. Like Bernardo's helping him with fashion stuff, oriented stuff, and also music because he's obviously a DJ and he started off as a DJ for like um, they'd get an artist like Jaden Smith, Eddie One, like a lot of different artists. Actually, it was pretty nice. I don't know why Zalando kind of cut it off. I think it was maybe budgeting. Mm. Maybe they weren't making enough money. But um, that was kind of my initial capacity there. And um, obviously this this kind of also ad hoc work, so just different random projects. So like recently we did the um, the gallery thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is again good fun. Again helped a bit of like getting artists there. Except I mean you performed. I also yes. played. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was good. I was a little bummed that he didn't actually fly the artist himself for the gallery. You know. Yeah, that they was, didn't want. The guy who actually did the art that he was put there. up and he wasn't there, and I was like, "Where's Wait, the?" We didn't artist? invite him. I don't think they didn't no, invite no, no. him. Okay. I think we he just did invite him. I think he just didn't make it. Mm. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't, he didn't make the flights. I don't want to go into that. I think yeah. it was a visa issue, but like, mm. um, we'll do that again, and we'll have the eyes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, have to, I mean, great event. Other than that, it was fantastic. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I kind of recently actually quit my most recent job with. BMG. I don't, really? I don't know if you want to like name drop. <laughs> name drop, you're not bad talking. I mean, you left yeah. the company. I mean, yeah. So um, I left BMG recently, and I'm kind of at the moment just kind of relying on like the freelance kind of consultation stuff. Which what is, were you doing at BMG, music consultant? Oh no, at BMG I was a bit of a focus on royalties, and yeah, after six months I was like, yeah, royalty actually, tracker man. I was like. <laughs> This is yeah. for me. And, <laughs> and you guys can't make me do this. So. <laughs> it's also not, not, it's not a kind of job that you like announce on a first date kind of thing. Really, you know? <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad. Actually, BMG is a big company. I feel like, because I mean, I, I was checking out the job market in Berlin. I mean, like, and, I, and there's, a, there's a site called um, Doors Open. I don't know if you know Doors Open. You also want to? Yeah, um, no bubbles. Yeah, no bubbles. I have bubbles in my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> you've been in you've been in Berlin for how long, and you still don't drink bubbles? Yeah, as a man converted to the bubbles boy, I have to say, no bubbles. I saw bubbles, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I was looking for jobs the other day, and there's this really cool site called Doors Open, mm-hmm. um, and they do jobs um, exclusively in like the uh, electronic music industry. So it's like if you want to work for yeah, exactly what you're saying, because you know it it definitely can't hurt to just gain knowledge on how the music industry works in all the ways that it can work and Mm -hmm. can't work you know what i mean so the thing is yeah of course and it's actually really quite helpful so all the big ones here like beatport spotify Mm -hmm. bmg well i mean all the major all major like music companies will have a branch in europe at least and a lot of them have one in in germany because it's so big you know what i mean they 
kind of have to. But yeah, I mean, I, I see some jobs from BMG or whatever, but they're kind of cool. I mean, I would tell somebody on a first day, but no, but royalty. No. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not like a cool position, but it's a cool company. No, it's a cool I company, think. yeah, for sure. No, royalties yeah. ain't sexy. It's not fun. Royalty, and yeah. it's kind of reached the point. definitely not sexy and not fun. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but Spotify needs to pay their fucking artists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You heard him. <laughs> Just going off on Spotify? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I hope it does. You know that part I mean? might get blanked out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, and I hope you get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good luck. <laughs> um, they, well, they, they're paying podcasts pretty well, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, it's funny we say that because um, podcasting is like really big now in, on Spotify and, and um, because I work in, in, in media, in, in, in online advertising. So all these companies come to us to be like, our ad platform is XYZ. Mm-hmm. And recently Spotify came to us with this podcasting thing. Um, well, this offer um, for their new type of ad. So now they have a new type of ad that like it's, it's a clickable ad. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I don't use Spotify, so I couldn't tell you. And you know, this is just like, this is the opposite of, I don't know what the opposite of music to ears is. And what noise to ears? I don't know. But like, you know, like the, the ads that interrupt like your YouTube videos. Well, I'm that guy, right? So <laughs> it's, it's not a fun job. <laughs> we have royalties but, and we have interrupting ads. <laughs> but you know what? Like, it's good knowledge to have. Yeah. <laughs> because I'll tell you a story about Instagram after this. But in any case, mm-hmm. um, Spotify came to us to just give a presentation on their new ad format. So they have this new clickable... <laughs> This is me, like, giving the Spotify ad space on our podcast <laughs> while telling them pay artists. Like, I'm <laughs> taking all different directions. But they have, like, um, this new ad format where it's, like, a clickable ad they never had before. Mm-hmm. So it's an ad that comes up in the middle of your podcast, and you can click on it. And if you don't click on it, it comes up at the end, and it's a whole, um, yeah, it's a whole new format of, and they're making it, I mean, of course, they had to make it seem like it's the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. But one of the... Like one of the statistics that they showed us that was very, very interesting is that the podcast in space is actually gets more engagement than the music space in really? terms of advertising. They don't know what it is, but like yeah. advertising and podcasts goes off way harder than it does in music. And they think it is for <laughs> like doing over their old bitch. But I mean, it was quite interesting. But basically, because like when you listen to podcasts, you trust the person talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? It's like YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. You're in, a, yeah. You're in a, a, a space of trust. So the thing is, when you get a relevant product, you're way more likely to look into it because, mm-hmm. you know, you heard it on this. And of course, like it happened to me. I was just, I listened to a podcast and, and Joe Rogan podcast I would listen to a lot. And he would talk about. I don't know shit that like I, I, would, n- I would never thought of using before. But he's this man has convinced like, me to buy all sorts of shit. Man, I went and I mean, the VPN thing is very relevant though. Like everyone should get a VPN, a hundred percent. And the way he said it is, he's like, it's like an internet condom. And I was like, that's a good point because if you're just using your, your phone and your laptop home or whatever, then fine. But when you think about it, when you use it in Starbucks or cafes or, or, or Uban or airports or whatever, mm-hmm. this is all public Wi-Fi and this is all where hackers jump in your shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was like, way boy, I really should be using an internet condom. You know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, like, you but can't I can't be going around <laughs> Berlin cafes with no condom. You can't be going around Berlin cafes with no condom. You know what I mean? So the thing is, 
I, I was, it's true that I really was, I mean, it, it, of course it was relevant and it was something to look into, but I was way more persuaded because this podcast that I know. trust, yeah. you know, and I didn't realize it because you think like the music, but in terms of performance ads, you know, just in terms of people like clicking, because when it's, you think yeah. about it, it's just, it's not that big of a deal. No, I mean, it's just another channel for influencer marketing. If you like, shout Andrew Schultz and the blue shoes. <laughs> I love Andrew Schultz. He's so good. I remember listening to him and he's just constantly going on about blue chew. Yo, get a blue chew, get a blue chew. Google it. Oh, of course. Chewable Viagra. I got you. But um, that does actually, that whole thing does bring up the whole wider question in terms of like actual music and that whole like um, streaming space. Because for me, like actually recently, it's not even a recent thing, but over the past few years, like when you get things like Spotify and Apple Music and you're using them for your music consumption, it's mainly because it's convenient, but it also becomes a thing where like the music has less value to you as an individual, mm-hmm. especially like the way music is released nowadays. You get music, so much new music mm-hmm. and everyone releases at the same time on Friday. And I don't know, I was listening to like the last Kendrick album for like a week and then something else came out <laughs> and that's Kendrick Lamar, you know, and that happens yeah, yeah, yeah. so often. Yeah, yeah. People were like really have such a short... Back in the day when you get a CD, you just cram that CD forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. CD, you be reading like the inside. You're reading the inside, you're going through all the lyrics and you, you, you right. know, shit you don't even know. But it, that's, that's why I kind of like the, the record space. That's why I find like record digging was so... Um, so nice for me because I mean of course I did it for an art form as a DJ but then you actually get into vinyl culture as a thing as in like going Mm. into stores and then I started being like um, I can't experience Italy in like three days or four days or five days right like you go to these places you can't be like yeah I went to Italy like I mean what did you really do right Mm -hmm. Um, but if I am doing like a short stint in a place like Paris or where did I go Milan I had to stop in Milan for like one day or something and I thought no problem. I want to check out what like the record spot is in mm-hmm. this place and go dig in and spend like a couple hours digging in this spot. And I have to say, it's, it was really cool because, you know, if I go back um, to my apartment now, I can pull out all my records and I can tell you exactly where each record came from. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you exactly what I did right after I listened to these records. And you know what I mean? That's a whole experience. And then the records are special because, I mean, they're, of course, they're records that I haven't played in a while. Mm-hmm. But then I think, am I going to sell them? And I'm like, nah, I can't feel, I can't. Because it was it was such a... They attached to experience. Yeah, and they, a they, they was such a, a part of me at a certain point in time, you know? And when music is being streamed and you're not... You're not, I mean, yeah, pain fit is one thing, but I mean, like, you're not, you're not making a decision on this mm-hmm. album, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Then it's all, like, mm-hmm. disposable, you know what I mean? I mean, I mm-hmm. feel like you can really see where that, that, I mean, personally, at least for me, I can really see where that change happened. It's um, when everyone transitioned from iTunes on your computer mm-hmm. to streaming Spotify mm-hmm. or whatever on the internet. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know about you guys, but, like, I didn't buy music before. I no, don't, no, I don't no. know that shit illegally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have that all on my iTunes. And yeah. because I'm like, I love music and I'm a bit of a like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd see this stuff. And obviously if you download it, it's not going to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah and album, the name would be like a bunch of numbers. And, and sometimes you get those DJs dropping their tags in the middle of the track and things. I'd pay attention to every single file. I'd make sure the name is correct and make sure the genres are correct and make sure the art, the album art is correct. Yeah, 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 me too. And all this metadata, I'd make sure it's all correct. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'd go in and change up that whole thing. I have, I still format all my music files the way I did when I was like 14. Right. You know, everybody does art. Everybody does artist. Uh, the artist dash 
song name, but I do the opposite. I do song name dash artist mm-hmm. because in my mind, like each song, like it, the song has a name, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. I mean, you don't go around introducing <laughs> yourself like Kota, like yeah. Kimila, you know what I mean? Like, because there are a bunch of the people with that name, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. you have like a first name and, and <laughs> anyway. That's also part of the process. I pay attention. You hear a song and then like, you hear the song and then you, listen, you go check out the artist. So like, mm-hmm. I'd hear a great song and I'd be like, yo, that was really nice. Then I go download the whole discography for that yeah, artist. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'll take everything now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then sift <laughs> through what I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, I mean, that was actually, it's not tangible. You're not holding it in your hands, but you're paying attention mm-hmm. to the actual music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look... A lot more closely, yeah. Right? And you immediately lost that as soon as you went on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah immediately. Like, boom. You, don't, you don't have as much, like, contact with the actual tracks anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, I don't have... I don't have any playlists. A lot of people have a lot of playlists, whatever. Mm. I think, I don't know, it's just like the like a DJ's mentality where it's like, you know, I, I, I choose tracks and I have this library. And of course, things are organized, you know what I mean? But I don't have like, I don't do long mm. like playlists really? and that kind of thing. I don't like, I mean, I use Apple Music, but I don't have any playlists on Apple Music and I don't check any playlists. I am like, I jump into the void and I pull out what I am remembering or thinking or whatever. But Instagram, I have to say, has become like a really big source for my music these days. Mm-hmm. Like I find a lot of really good music on Instagram. And especially because of like uh digging for records and stuff and mm-hmm. then I follow some labels and then like I could see like when they post some new records and stuff. And Instagram has actually become a big tool for me to dig because that First of all, I buy all my music now on Bandcamp, which is something very new to me. I used to use Beatport yeah. all the time, you know? But Beatport also needs to pay their fucking artists, right? <laughs> but, shout um, out to Bandcamp, Bandcamp Fridays, man. Shout out to Bandcamp, the <laughs> realist. I have to say, and I, I can't go back, like, because, you know, they do this separation by city, which really helps, too, because then you're in Berlin and you want to kind of be on the ground in terms of music <laughs> and in terms of, like, who's releasing what, where, or here in the cities you're in. And that was really cool. And then they pay their artists. And yeah, they do the streaming thing too. And I mean, I can't say that I use Bandcamp a lot for streaming because when you when you buy the track, then it goes in your streaming library kind of thing, right? The streaming aspect sucks anyway. Yeah, the streaming aspect sucks anyway. But it's just like, I I feel like... Oh, I forgot where I was going with this. What was I talking about before? The playlists. Shit. Anyway. I've got something to say about Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it kind of ties in, I feel like. Because, I mean, as I said, I only started really mixing and, like, paying attention to music in that way this year. And it kind of brought back your love and appreciation for music, like, especially Bandcamp, because Bandcamp doesn't actually make it easy for you to find music. Mm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they don't. You really have to dig. You really yeah. have to dig. And you've got to listen to a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you really, like, you really got to pay attention to everything. Like, okay, find an artist I'm interested in, follow him, go through your stuff. I might not like anything else. I might mm. like that one song. But because of that one song, I might maybe go click on a genre you know they have the tags at the bottom mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or I might mm-hmm. just go check what he likes yeah, yeah. or I might see who's also supported this song and see what else they're interested in and there's so many different ways to like go down there's the so many yeah there's so many different ways to go because you could see who supported this track you could see mm-hmm. the artist so you could check out what their following is like mm-hmm. and then they have that feature I really like where you choose what your favorite track on the album is so mm-hmm. after you buy it then they, they give you an option to put in what your favorite, they are, give you the option to comment on it and say what your favorite track is. Mm-hmm. And I think that feature is really cool because I mean, yeah, obviously like sometimes it aligns with what I find my favorite track mm-hmm. is and sometimes it doesn't, but mm-hmm. it's still interesting to know, you know, as a, as a, as a DJ, when you're, you're, you're choosing tracks just to see what the, 
taste of the city mm-hmm. is right mm-hmm. now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's it's really like actually kind of brought back that whole kind of motivations like really because I'm not really a vinyl guy. Like I would love to have like a vinyl connection collection, but I'm, it's not like I grew up around vinyl. Um, I grew up with CDs, and there's no point buying CDs anymore. I mean. There is for some people, but not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually miss the CD era. Girl, like I used record to have a whole listening to cassettes the other day. I uh, was like, oh, yeah. okay. I miss. I actually have a, a CD player with a cassette player, and yeah. I have like two cassettes and like five CDs. You that, know, it's really <laughs> that are just like it's like a like the sound obviously not the best, but that speaker actually has really nice sound. And then it's more of a sentimental thing of like of you know course. you wiping your CD. And it's so funny when I was working in Trinidad, I was working on my manager at the time. She she got pregnant, and she was having a son. And I was um, going to the um, baby shower, so I have to bring gifts to the baby or whatever. And I remembered that there was this one um, thing that my mom would always play for us, and it was like some music from around the world or something. Mm-hmm. And it was like every single country in the world had one song and it was like represented oh. this tape or, or thing and, and, and like it was sung by the people in the way and they did it in their language and then also in English so you mm-hmm. could relate it on two different levels and I was so excited I was like I was like this was so like when I think of being like a like a young child like going to primary school kind of thing I was like like this is what I remember mm-hmm. so I was like I need to get this for this kid, he needs to experience this. And it's so funny because I went and I found this thing online. I ordered it, it arrived or whatever. And I gave I gave Adana, I gave Adana, my manager, this um this gift or whatever. And it was a cassette. And she was like, Yeah, cool story, bro, but what the fuck am I supposed to do with a cassette? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, We put it in the car, like playing and she was like, Dan, they don't make cassette players for cars anymore, dog. You know? And I remember being like, Wait, boy, that's a good point. And that sucks. You know what I mean? But it's just those things (laughs) those things are so connected to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean I didn't grow up with vinyl either. You know what I mean? But these things like they do matter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh actually I was kind of of slightly lied there. I said I don't have a thing for CDs. But actually for one of the most recent um, shows we did of Sweet Ones, me and my um, friend Niall, who I play usually play with, um, we spent like two weeks looking (laughs) for this one song. And it wasn't on any like it wasn't on Spotify, it wasn't on Beatport, it wasn't on anywhere online. It was just on C D. Mm. Like there were like two CDs of it in mm. the States. They're selling it for like <laughs> on 80, here off like eighty bucks. Sure. <laughs> like keep, eighty quid on for this one CD, CD collection. And it was like this super like kind of niche artist and there was just one song <laughs> on this album that we wanted. Uh. And honestly I was so close just say fuck it I'll pay you. because it's almost <laughs> worth it you know right? what I mean you know, but like when I was in but the, the fucked up thing with these CDs is that like vinyls last yeah, yeah they yeah. last you know what I mean a CD yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. put I a mean, little too much dust and scratch it and your CD is done it's true I mean vinyls mm. scratch but I think they're a little more like, they're a little more d- durable. durable yeah yeah but it was yeah. for a mix but what I, what I do miss about CDs is like I used to make mixtapes for my friends and like mm-hmm. as birthday presents and or for the car, you know, every yeah, yeah, like yeah. all the newest songs that we're listening to. Or when I had like one of my first boyfriends, like I would I gave him a mixtape and we used to listen to that in the car. That's why I paid for my first carnival costumes. My dad was making like, mixed CDs. My dad was like, I was gonna put in the because you know you pay in well, I don't know if you ever play mass and trend that, but how it works is normally the band launches around August mm-hmm. and then they would show the co- they would release the costumes for the following the next carnival, which would normally be around January, February the next year. So 
they have a couple of months to 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 do it. But you you have to book like in in August, and that booking would entail putting a down payment on the costume, right? So if the mm-hmm. costume is two thousand TT, the down payment will be like seven hundred or eight hundred or something like that, and then you could pay off the rest like whenever. Mm-hmm. But by the time you collect your your costume, like the week of carnival, you you could pay then or you could pay, you know. But anyway, you can pay in installments. Yeah, and so the thing is, when I was uh, I was like sixteen or something when I started like getting into that my dad was like I right, cool no problem I'll put down your down payment but then you ought to come up with the rest of the money and man <laughs> I sold CDs right I would sell nice. soca because I mean I, I you know started I wasn't always DJing electronic music you know and so I would get all the soca that nobody I would get all the soca right and I don't know if you know this but there's a lot of soca that comes out that nobody hears yeah no well obviously yeah. they play this they play the same like five soca songs yeah yeah, yeah. And they the, pick five every season and then they just run it over and over and, and over and over. There's so, it's the same with Soka and Dancehall. And I would get like on, like, uh, you'd go on blogs and this kind of thing and just get every single rhythm that ever released for that season. <laughs> and like, you'd, you'd be listening to and a lot of them, I would think they were cool. I mean, some of them, they might not have like big names on it. It'll be a bunch mm-hmm. of nobody, mm-hmm. nobody artists or whatever, or B-list artists or whatever on Instagram. But like, it wouldn't get any shine at all you know and it was the same thing with with soca some songs would come out and nobody would know anyway i used to sit down and i wasn't like a working dj or dj or anything i just love music and i would had my ipod and our dj at limes or whatever and and small whatever mm. right um but i made it like a point and i remember sitting down on my computer and trying to select like the trying to do a good spread so i would come out with three volumes of like soca cds and it wasn't a mix it was just like a cd with soca and i would really like put together three volumes on like no. one little capitalist not put all the good songs on one cd <laughs> and save like good spread song it spread it out right but then also it was cool because there was also a lot of like unknown soca and unheard of song that, that i wanted people to hear so mm-hmm. i was like you want to get this marshall that, that, that everybody knows about well you you're also going to get this i don't know this kmc you know what i mean so you oh. was always the underground man i was always the underground man <laughs> people are still using this technique I really, to this day. dude and i literally <laughs> and that's how and i sold these cds for like 20 dollars right and i did this for uh, one, two, like two years or something, right? I was in Form 5 and it was like Form 5 and I did it in, 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 in Lower 6 or maybe even, yeah, Form 5. Form 5 and then Lower 6. And I remember I was in Upper 6 now and it was the same thing with my dad, right? By this time I was like 17 or something and it was the same process. My dad, he would put it down payment and say you had to come up with the rest of your money on your own. And I'd never forget that year. I was in upper six. I was the oldest you could get in secondary school. And I burned my 10 CDs or whatever to get to hustle in school or whatever. And I was in convent at that time. I did form six in a girl's school in the convent opposite. Jeez, right? you're living having time of your life. Lucky <laughs> man. Yeah, no, I had a good friend the whole time. I had a good friend from form time right after form six. So, but it was fun. It was a good experience. But I'd never forget going into this classroom. And you used to go and hustle to like the young grades first because your friends they would support you or whatever and then they would get it for their parents too right like people would be like my mom wants you next to me and i'd never forget going into this form three class or form four class and being like hey so um i have this cd or whatever with all the latest soca and she looked at me and went cd you know and mm-hmm. i remember being like i didn't even i didn't even think about it but by that time it was ipod mm-hmm. yeah, it was all like 
it was all like uh, you know like technology had, yeah. and it was just like two years or something mm. it was like nothing and this girl is like laughing at me because I'm here with TDs because even and she and she's in a younger form too yeah yeah and she's like she's like Dan like who's who's listening to CDs or you know and I was just like yeah, I remember there was oh, a point shit. where CDs were only for the car. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. Only like you yeah, had a, yeah. everybody had a bu- one of those yeah. big folders full of CDs, and that's the only place you ever place you ever used it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the technology moves so quickly, yeah. and it's so crazy because when I was when I was young in primary school and entered my calypso competitions and then like we'd record me and my dad would record on on cassettes, and then I'd play back the cassette, and that would, I'd have my demo tape that I would practice with, you know. And then I got older, and of course, CDs were the norm for a while. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But it's so funny because I was digging in this record store like just the other, like two weeks ago or whatever in Bikini Wax. Shout out Bikini Wax. And um, I was sitting down there and this girl was next, like sitting on the floor listening to And at first I thought they were hers. I thought like, well, she's listening to her cassettes because who the fuck is selling cassettes out here? You know, but then I really saw her like putting digging it back cassette. and digging through cassettes. And I was thinking... Nice. But were you really doing with this cassette? You know, like you need to have the technology. St- you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just, I don't know, it was a moment for me because it was like, even then, even as special as cassettes were to me back in the day, I was like, I would never buy a cassette now. And I, I don't know if I would buy a CD now either. You know what I mean? But I'm buying records and records mm-hmm. came, you know, before, before all this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So why wouldn't I buy cassettes? Why wouldn't I buy CDs? I mean, I know why, because I DJ with them. But the point is, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's, when I thought about what the, what this girl's like thought process is, like, I thought, like, what would it take for me to be into cassettes? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then I what thought, are you listening to them on? Like, why do you, why yeah, do you, yeah, like, how do you purposefully, do you intentionally yeah. want to listen to bad quality? Yeah, yeah. You want to be seen on the streets of Berlin yeah. holding a fucking whatever, you know, exactly. But I'm thinking, no, it's just like, maybe she just has this. It's the same thing. You, you go and you, you have a connection with the song because mm-hmm. the set is like two songs or one song. Or I, mm-hmm. I can't even remember, to be honest. But I mean, it's like, I think either side might be, a, you know, then you have to rewind it mm-hmm. when you want to play it again. With your finger. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, they have the rewind. They have the rewind, but you could use it with your do it with your finger oh you just fuck it up <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah and then it starts to and then you like and then you, yeah you fuck up you bring out this yeah tape, yeah yeah and yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Damn. yeah but then you think it's just it's just a connection it's just a connection to the music it's just a connection that she has to the mm-hmm. to I've the also seen some artists kind of use that for marketing recently actually um do you know jeremy mm-hmm. um skeptic's brother he makes like crime music and he's kind of a cult figure in you cult figure in crime especially like from the beginning, he's always just been analog grime. I'm not, I'm not doing anything else. It's just grime. I don't care if you're doing this. I don't care if you're doing that. I'm just doing grime. Put me in your song. I'm doing grime. <laughs> and um, like people love him for that. Like he's been this way for at least like 20 years now. And um, for his last album, he did this thing where like he told his fans, "Okay, I've got a thousand copies of my album, but it's on CD, and it's not going to be on DSPs. So if you want to listen to this album," You gotta buy this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like literally like two years ago. Like he was like, "Yo, nice." But I'm what would I do? I guess you put it into your laptop or whatever. I mean, laptops don't take CDs anymore yeah. either. Well, I have old ass laptops, okay. so my old ass yeah. laptops take CDs. Well, that's why I refuse to get rid of my um my CD player yeah, over there. You have I'm to like, buy an extension. Know. No, you have to buy a CD yeah. port thing if yeah. you wanna a DVD port if you wanna listen. Put it in a CD, Joe. Put in a CD. You could put in a CD. <laughs> okay. That's a good yeah. point. I saw someone in Portugal doing this the other day. I was in Lisbon two weeks ago. 
And I was at a street party and this guy just came on stage with his book of CDs. Man. I didn't even vroom, think of vroom, that. Vroom, yeah. Vroom. I mean, I saw DJ do that the other day. I saw who was like uh, Villalobos or something. Like Villalobos do this. Yeah, they like in this day and age pull a CD out and put a CD in the mm-hmm. CDJ, you know? And I haven't seen that shit in... I mean, he, he wasn't mixing that at all. Like he'd literally take the CD out. And it'd be like a good two seconds, three seconds before the song would start playing. But um, it was it was cool. It was cool to watch and yeah, a bit of a throwback. They're picking up somebody's. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Oh. Somebody's, oh. Po- somebody's popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's wild, man. The technology's wild. Technology's wild, and we've been we actually did an hour and a half. <laughs> this is our longest one yet. Shit. Yeah, we didn't even get to get into sweet things. Sweet ones. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I'm You're butchering, butchering everything. everything. You're like a Trini auntie. I know. You know, <laughs> you know Trini aunties that never get a what, name, was right? It, wasn't you even know? at that show you're doing you know? sweet things. What, sweet what thing? club you went to again, Burgay? Uh-huh. What do you want? Tell, tell the people that. Sound like my, gl- my grandma when she's talking He's about He's a DJ. His name is yeah. still Riley. Not so. <laughs> What's the name of the little girl you see? What's the name of the thing? Sweet ones. Oh yeah, so the name of the show is um Sweet Ones. But yeah, sweet ones. Yeah, yeah, it's um it's called Sweet Ones and um the name itself is it's a bit of a throwback to the UK because like in the UK if we I don't know, you see someone attractive and she walks past with something or you know, she's a uh, sweet thing you're in a situation <laughs> it's fucking hell <laughs> well, well we actually do say that we yeah. say that she's a yeah. sweet I thing I mean that's where it comes from because yeah. obviously like UK like well yeah we came from you all you all came from us one or the other but yeah, yeah no it probably comes from but that but like black slang. UK slang yeah. is very it's all derivative Trinidad. it's from the win, diaspora the wind rush yeah, generation yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly it all comes from that same kind of yeah well we say that we say yeah. a sweet thing so we basically a sweet thing is a sweet one yeah I gathered like it's <laughs> but um, yeah, we've translated it to sweet one. Mm-hmm. So like you see a girl in a situation, you'd be like, oh, that's a sweet one over there. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of, that's basically the flavor of the music we play or I play. Also sometimes play with, as I've mentioned, um, sexless and then sexless. <laughs> <laughs> um, Niall, shout out to you. Um, you know, usually play together and the whole like, whole concept of the show is based around that kind of like, R&B kind of like sweet vibe so like mm-hmm. guys talking about girls girls talking about guys relationships etc etc mm-hmm. and it's that's the whole flavor of the show like if you listen to where is it on Refuge it's on Refuge um, yeah shout out to Refuge Worldwide shout out to Refuge Worldwide and it's um, it's just music or also music and talk because the uh, last one you did was just music right? we're still working on that uh-huh. Um, we want it to be a bit. I want it to be a bit more of a radio show, but Niall is a bit uh, more mix oriented. He just wants to get in the mm. booth and just mix, yeah. work on those dials. Um, I like talking on the mic; mm-hmm. it's fun. Um, you have a good voice for it. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I prefer talking on the mic, but we're working that. I mean, mm. the show's a work in progress, and we're really just kind of taking it step by step. Nice. Um, I was telling you earlier, like, I listened back to the last show, like, after two songs, I'd turn it off. Mm-hmm. And, like, really? It's like, yo, that transition was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, still wild. But the thing is, like, I feel like radio is... You're talking about the one you did the other day? Yeah, In yeah, yeah. Summer Party. Okay. I mean, on radio, it's not really a big deal. Cause I know it's yeah, not a big deal on radio. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's just playlist. And yeah. People don't listen to radio shows for the transitions, but, like, no. as someone who's obviously... 
like you've just started mixing you're paying attention to yeah. that stuff like, yeah, yeah. Okay, but the transitions is always like the, the part where you're most nervous anyway. yeah I mean even me I did my radio show the other day and, and I mean my transitions are pretty natural at this point but even still, no. <laughs> no, I mean, like, as in, I don't get too nervous about because I, I, I record all my radio shows in one shot, you know? I don't do the mix and then talk over mm-hmm. it, right? So I do everything on the Live. spot, which mm-hmm. can be a lot, you know what I mean? Um, but at least I've been DJing for so long that I don't get nervous about the transitions. Mm-hmm. I think, like, even if I butcher it, it's not that bad. But then, yeah, me too. But sometimes you, you don't expect or you don't, you know what I mean? You let your guard down for a second and you do a, 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 a sloppy one and then you're like, yeah. oh, good boy. I mean, it, was, it was so hot in that booth the other day. Like, I'd be trying to mix. I'd be like <laughs> wiping sweat off my fucking face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, at least for me, like, I mean, shout out to Refuge again. They give me the opportunity to, first of all, pursue something that I really should have pursued a long time ago. Like, I've always been interested in DJing and et cetera, et cetera. But I never really kind of like, jumped at an opportunity mm-hmm. and yeah Richard and Oscar in particular they're really like yo do this do this mm-hmm. do this do this yeah yeah you know, you're always playing tunes yeah yeah, yeah. mix like mm-hmm. why, do why it. are you not doing you're this you're gonna hate yourself and if you don't do it yeah exactly right so especially like with this opportunity I was literally like Richard just told me yo did you learn to mix for the radio show or did you learn the to first mix time that? I mixed was on, the, on radio the radio show what <laughs> Richard like called what? me one day he was like yo we got an open mic and you didn't apply to it. So I just put you on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you got wow. a slot. And I was like, but sometimes you need that. Sometimes yeah, you need your friend sure to push you and just be like, you need, sure, to, you need to just go and do it. Because sometimes that's what it takes. And sometimes you go and you bomb and you totally fuck up. But at least you did it. And then you can get that out of the way. Yeah. And then, you, then it, it, it's always like never as scary as you thought it was going to be. Mm. For sure. You know? like Refuge is also the perfect platform for that, especially if you knew because you can go on and you, can, you, don't, you don't really have to mix. Yeah, you could and play one track and then play the next you can, track. You, you don't could have load. to do that. You're always going to get some positive feedback, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I'm not a big positive feedback guy. I don't like hearing positive feedback. Yo, tell me what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like that too. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear none of it. I don't want to like the little pat on the shoulder. I don't know how good it was and how nice it was. I want to tell me, like, did you hear any mistakes? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, where did you hear the mistakes? Where it was, you know? What could have been better? And um, I mean, that's what Refuge is good for because not only are you going to get that positive feedback, but I can really go to the guys and be like, Okay, so like, where can yeah. I improve? Like, shout out to Oscar. Like, Oscar will tell me every time, like, you're getting better in it for like, mm-hmm. I was watching and, <laughs> <laughs> and you could have done this a lot better. But I can see the improvements. So, like, that positive reinforcement is good, but also like the constructive feedback is also great. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so, what well, I was saying, yeah, my first referee show was, you're talking about was where points. you mixed the, uh, yeah, that was like, yeah. I always knew I wanted to play, okay, we didn't get back, back a bit. Mm-hmm. So as I said, Sweet Ones is based on the whole concept of like seeing like a sweet one walk past or a sweet thing or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my whole kind of, I've always loved like hearing like, I mean, you can hear this in the first show in particular, but I've always loved hearing like actual rappers who usually talk about like rap shit, like selling drugs or like hurting people or doing like man macho whatever that whole kind of yeah, like, yeah. you know you know what right you know, some toxic you know, right. masculinity shit yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's toxic but we love it but um, <laughs> <laughs> but um but also always loved it when they kind of like stripped it back a bit and really kind of like dialed in on their kind of emotional side and being like hey like i really like this girl and this is how the situation is this is how the relationship is going or like 
another little niche area of rap is when the rapper is talking about their daughter. Mm. Like, all of a sudden, I've got a daughter. Mm. And their whole kind of, like, view and outlook on the world has suddenly, like, changed because, like, mm-hmm. you're this macho, toxic, masculine, like, rapper dude who's, like, alpha. And all of a sudden, mm. you've got this girl, your daughter that you've brought into the world and, like, that's your world and you suddenly look at yourself. Mm-hmm. And those little, like, kind of moments in music, like, I've always loved it. Like, you, know, you have a hard beat, but it's really talking some really, like, soft stuff. Mockingbird, Toy Soldiers, from mm-hmm. and made me cry when they when yeah, he dropped yeah. those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, back in the... Yeah, yeah, every, every, everyone's done it. If you look into, like, actually all the rappers, yeah. like, they, also, they always have, like, one or two songs where they're, like, really, really tender. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> like, really contradictory to their image, but they're, like, really having a moment where mm-hmm. they're, like... Oh, this is my baby girl, and she's going to go out to the world, and there's going to be guys like me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going to be yeah. assholes like me out there. Yeah, there's going to be yeah. guys like me out there yeah. waiting for her, and I'm like, that makes me feel a certain type of way. Yeah. So I've really kind of like loved that shit. Like little moments where, like, for example, the the um, the archetype for this for me would be um, I don't know if you've heard this, but Tiny Temper, um, who has a song called Wifey. No. And should I play it? Run it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, I, have a, I have a connection for this. Oh, yeah. Oh, we get to use our technology. We get to use our technology. But I mean, I mean, just like to give a little bit of background, it's a grime song. And if you know grime, grime is high tempo, aggressive, like, I'm going to murder you with bars. Mm-hmm. Like, look, listen to the flow. You can't copy this. Like, mm-hmm. you're on top dog. And there's a little moment in grime where I like to call it R and grime, like rhythm and grime, where like guys are really kind of jumping on little samples, little mellow beats, they mm-hmm. put a little Sade flip in there and it'll change the whole dynamic of the song. Brown, I don't have an iPhone. Nice. No, I, I like the concept wait, a lot. Wait, 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 wait I, can't, I can't use this. Well, you could tell us what, tell Kyle what it is. Bro, they, don't, they don't make phones. Don't have I, don't, I don't have an iPhone. No, they don't make aux cords. They don't make aux cords. Just, just play it on your phone. <laughs> your technology. <laughs> the <man is> disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't put aux um, inputs what? on their phones no more. <laughs> I can play it. No, 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 no. no, no wait. Yeah. Sorry. I see. I see the controls. <laughs> What's the name? Um. Do you know Tiny Temper? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, cool. I was about to say, everyone knows Tiny Temper. Again, what's this big song? Miami to Ibiza? Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that, yeah. I don't remember which song it was, but there was one song from him that I used to kill on, uh, you know, Tap Tap. Yeah, yeah. Like one of those first iPod yeah, yeah. Yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's my only rem- memory So of maybe, Tiny I have an idea, maybe... Run it as the closing track. Run it as the closing track. Yeah. Nice. So we're gonna say, yeah. We're gonna say. I mean, thanks so much. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So glad that you're still Wally. So glad that <laughs> you're not Riley. doing your thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was great having your new podcast, man. This thanks, was really man. fun. Yeah. Um, we will link sometime, and keep doing your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah like getting sure. better, man. Still learning how to mix. You get me? Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> nah, you're still good already. Still, still, Wally, not Riley. <laughs> sweet ones, not sweet things. Have a listen on Refuge Worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, follow us on Spotify. Listen, like, subscribe, <laughs> get all that stuff. Follow us on Spotify, <laughs> and hope that they fucking pay us. Yeah. Spotify pay artists. Listen nice. to sweet and ones. This is Runny Tune. Wifey by Tiny Tempo. Yeah. yeah. 
This one is for you, so ain't it? Uh, uh, uh. I'll tell the wifey, I'll tell the females that stuck by their man through thick and thin. You know we ain't always our best, innit? And I know you had to put up with a lot of shit, do you know what I mean? All type flutes and production, yeah. Alright, let me tell you about someone real special. Hey, listen, yeah. You ring me off the night, nigga, precisely night tight, nigga, never off. We can work one time, like 10 o'clock, but that's life, B. And you are my wifey, you look right. Your head to the side, blue jeans, nice shoes, and they get on top. Black tunes from Bashment to Mellow Rock. You're a real chick, that's why I moved to you real quick. This is the real shit. Anytime you call, I'll be there quicker than Dorothy's face click. Look, cause you made me feel shit. I've never felt in my life. If ever I'd see my life, I'd wish forever you'd be my wife. Cause girl, whatever you be, I like. <laughs> and I mean everything. I plan to give you many rings. Look, and I don't mean phone calls. I mean any bling. Anything you want, I try to make it possible. Cause I've got fame and fag, but with that, you it's like I lose it all. Your sexy Jamaican roots make you cook that hot. And not just only that, cause your South American side brings out your back off. And I would advise those other guys to back off Cause you'll be pissed when the car has a hole in the back off We'll take the tins and the tax off Your chick's like a push and a wax off Look, she's rideable But my chick has wax neons and tins She's rideable I'm getting sick of making love to make love to So I'm gonna do this one more tune And send it out to the fucks too It's for the wives Yeah, you know I've got love for all my women, innit? White, black, like Asian, fat and small <laughs> You know what I make her feel like Yeah, I gotta feel her real happy Two. It's for the wife. 